Welcome to the Talking Security Podcast. We will talk about items related to Microsoft security. Hello, a new episode of the Talking Security Podcast. My name is Frans Arendorp, so welcome. Today, I have invited Stefan Schulling to discuss some Ignite announcements for the security space some common scenarios for Sentinel, M365 Defender, and we will also discuss Solorigate and Hafnium. So lots of cool content for this episode. So Stefan, welcome. Can you have a short intro about yourself? Yes, hello, thank you. Really happy to be here. So Stefan Schörling, live in Sweden. I'm heading out MDR service at the company called OneWin. Uh, I've been working with security for 20 something years, broad infrastructure perspective, but always had this red line of security, trying to follow the path on security. I'm a Microsoft MVP in uh, security as well. So I yeah, work a lot with Microsoft related to uh, their security offerings. So it's, uh, it's cool to be here. Yeah, and the security offering of Microsoft is coming a little bit better every month, every week, I think. Yeah, and it's, it's growing. I mean, the recent additions in the OT market and everything going on there. So it's, uh, it keeps you busy for sure, definitely. So. Yeah, absolutely. And last week, Ignite was there, the Microsoft virtual conference for spring 2021. There were a few announcements. So let's dive in some of the announcements and discuss these announcements a little bit. If you look at Azure Sentinel, Microsoft Seam solution that helps security teams to investigate incidents, etc. The solution integrates natively with other Microsoft products. But one of the announcements was that there are 30 new Azure Sentinel connectors like VMware, Cisco Umbrella, Salesforce, and a few others. Why is it so important to extend Sentinel with these capabilities? I think connectors in general is always has always been a hassle in the SIEM market. And it's you have to spend a lot of effort to do onboarding. Now we get these native connectors to get data easily into the system. So I think it speeds up the onboarding of data and kind of drives this central location in, in a really good way. And I, I'm really glad to see that there are more connectors coming because the landscape is complex in some organizations. So it's really good to get it. And, and I mean, they keep expanding on these connectors all the time. So it's really great because... If if we look at the, the history, it's it's always been a challenge to maintain data ingestion in SIEM solutions. So cloud native and, and quick uh, onboarding is uh, yeah key to me and key to many customers who are getting started on their SIEM journey to get uh, get value quickly. I think what also helps, like a SIEM solution, is not only Microsoft. So you have to connect other solutions because an environment is not only Microsoft. Exactly. I mean, we have this broad landscape of, of networking. We have um, applications. Maybe we have run a third-party uh, AV, for example. It's not everyone is running running stuff, but we still want to control this to, to the central seam. So definitely. One other announcement was regarding the built-in security orchestration automated response or SOAR playbooks. Playbooks in general, what can we do with playbooks in Azure Sentinel? Sentinel differs from many other seams where, where it's kind of embedded in the product with, with the soaring. So we can do automation, grabbing data from other sources, enriching the incidents, doing uh, API calls to VirusTotal to do lookups for known and unknown hashes and IP addresses just to enrich the that take actions and automate. I mean, automation is key when it comes today. We need to have quick response and, and with the SOAR system, we can save on, on labor time and, and quicker response. So I think that's... Uh, 
Within the announcement, there was also integration with Azure AD identity protection into our Microsoft Endpoint Manager, what is called nowadays. I think from Sentinel perspective, if an incident is reported, doing extra stuff and automation stuff directly on the workplace or using logic apps to enable stuff, uh, that should really help and make your work really easy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, but then on the other end, again, with, with automation, the key key there, you need to have a good process. Otherwise, the process is just going to fail faster if it's not the complete process. So that's an important thing to keep in mind. But uh, automation is key going forward, definitely, for all teams and, and uh, all organizations. And if we look at the announcements that was done, and also we have worked together with Microsoft in, in the past year, Microsoft is also focusing on automation within these solutions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you get more and more built-in automations and, and signal sharing and, and so on between the products. I think that's it's building to a, to a good suit and a good landscape when it comes to the products. Because, I mean, building use cases and automations is usually very time-consuming when you have to integrate several sources. You have to take telemetry and gather that and build a confident detection because that's what it's really about. You don't want to have too many false positives. You need to have confidence in your detection. So that is definitely key if they can bake as much as possible from the beginning. So. And if you look at the community, you can create some automation scripts, playbooks, whatever. In my opinion, and I think Microsoft is also working on that, maybe you have a view on that, working together with other participants within the security space and uh, sharing the knowledge. Is Sentinel also helping with that one? Yeah, I mean, we have the public GitHub repos and there's a huge community about, I mean, both developing detections, but also doing all these playbooks. And, and I mean, the, the partial <laughs> stuff you've built for Sentinel as well from from virtual perspective, uh, that's amazing. And now we have the public one from Microsoft as well. But I mean, it's the community is really leading the way here and it's uh, the community is growing for every day. So that's, uh, it's really good to see. So. Yeah, that's absolutely working together on on that sort of stuff and to have the adversaries blocking them. Yeah, that's our main goal for every day, I think. Exactly. (laughs) That's uh, keeping them out. Yeah. If we look at uh, M365 Defender and then Defender for Endpoint in general, Microsoft 365, there was an announcement like a Converge Portal integration, several stuff into one XDR solution. What is it actually and how does it help your and my daily business? I mean, in the Microsoft space, we have had a lot of portals, uh, still have a lot of portals. But when it comes to security operations, we, of course, we want to have as few portals as possible and do as much as in one place. And uh, the convergence into the new security.microsoft portal, where both the Defender for Endpoint data, the uh, Office 365 protection portal is moving into one place. So we can have one place to look into it. We have the joint signals from the different products. It helps us. We don't have to do that much context switching. We can handle the incidents much easier. And also kind of the key important part there with XDR is stitching everything together for us. We don't have to combine alerts ourselves to an incident. Now we get this pre-correlated between the workloads. That is really, really beneficial. So the new security portal looks great. It really gives a lot of value for security teams out there. Not only experienced security teams, but also new people getting into security. I think it gives them a lot of value and speed to get up to speed. New teams that are coming in. Uh, Learning Hub is newly introduced into that Converge portal. Does that help new security teams, but also customers in that area? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, we see, uh, at least on our end here, we see a lot of companies switching over to the Microsoft 365 security suite where there are some experienced analysts, but also we have new analysts. And I mean, even if you're experienced, you know security, but you don't know how to maybe handle the specific tools, how the timelines are working. So it's, it's a really good introduction for them to get up to speed from moving from an alternate solution and getting into this. I think it's been appreciated so far from the customers I've talked to, and I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of innovation coming forward there as well so with the learning up microsoft is helping that sort of customers and new security teams and also teams that are already involved they're helping really well other thing like threat analytics there's a new thing on the block but it's a specific defender for endpoint within threat analytics could you help us what it is and how it help us so uh, I think threat analytics is one of my, my favorite features because it gives you this deep, rich insights on ongoing attacks in the world that Microsoft and others are seeing. So it's kind of a really good threat intelligence feed where how attacks are being done, how they're conducted, what you need to do in your environment. These are the steps they're taking and this is how you can mitigate it. And then directly there you can actually see okay i have these vulnerable machines i need to fix the exposure on these ones i need to do these types of activities to be able to detect and mitigate this so i think it's of huge value to me at least and i mean all customers should start taking benefit of it i know that not everyone have found their way in there but it's huge value definitely and it just keeps coming new stuff in there now when they integrated office 365 stuff as well so we don't only have the mde stuff we get the oauth and email phishing campaigns and can directly see if someone have worked against these threat analytics streams um, do you like it as well or what, what's your kind of uh, pick yeah, on ab- it, so? ab- absolutely uh, within threat analytics everything and if we look at, for example, we will talk later on about Hafnium, but what we saw in the, in the past few days, Hafnium was coming out. And with threat analytics, you can get the insights where things happen, where could things happen, and you can mitigate that issue. So it's, it's helping really well. Yeah, absolutely. What you were saying, integration with Defender for Office, it's Defender for Endpoint, Defender for Office, and more stuff is coming on later. Looking in Defender for Office, attack simulation is one of the things that was announced. If we look at the attack simulation, uh, we can uh, train people with fake phishing mails, give them training and that sort of stuff. Why is it important to educate people? I mean, uh, we can always have these technical barriers, but there's always going to be new innovative ways of getting through to our users and having the users well-educated. And I mean, that's kind of the not maybe the final destination, but I mean, it's it's one of the key important because if the user is aware of how things are working, how this is how a phishing campaign works, this is what you can look for, then they can kind of, okay, I wouldn't click on that link. That is re- really good. We, we can always have technical means, but it's really up to the end user to be suspicious or curious or what to say to, okay, this is, I know this is bad for me i shouldn't click on this facebook link i shouldn't click on this link in the email okay someone is want to send me free money if i give them my bank account maybe that's not true always so i think it's about being uh, it's a really important step so yeah and mdo is more my piece of stuff right, where i work in nowadays and what i see with this huge step with attack simulation training is that microsoft has enhanced the training capabilities within their environment it was a little bit less but with this they're making a huge step partnering together with a huge partner in that area having a lots of announcements yeah if you're listening please look into it and 
have a look, use it, and train your people. We have seen Defender for Endpoint, Sentinel, Defender for Office, XDR, Seam. What are the differences between a Seam solution, it's Sentinel, for example, or an XDR solution, what Microsoft is trying to do with Microsoft Defender? So in general, I think we've seen a shift even since EDR started, where you kind of moved your detection capabilities more from the endpoint side of things, where you get insights into a lot more than you traditionally did from an AV, because suddenly you can see network data, you can see process data, you can see a lot of executions and stuff. And I think even who's logged on to the device and finding anomalous logons, we don't even need to have the AD data to do that now when we can kind of track the data directly from the endpoint. So I think already there, the shift started to move away a bit from SIEM and and add value in the EDR space. And then everything moved over to, I think it was Gartner who stated the the new term XDR. And that's really when you, you take EDR data and you add other sources as well, like everything from Office 365, you take uh, your identity data and kind of combining it to some kind of mini SIM, but it's it's really the data we have from all the vital parts when it comes to at least the workplace side of things, which are very essential for doing the detections there. So we, we get the data faster, we have the detections built in and the signals are shared in between these instead of us from a SIM perspective where we take maybe four different, five different data sources and put them into SIM and then we have to crunch the data and do our own uh, logic and our own detections on it. So it's really up to us how good we are at writing these use cases in the SIM compared to doing it when we get it pre-baked and pre-filtered in the XDR world. So I think that is a huge difference and and the market is really shifting. I'm not saying SIM is going to go away, but uh, XDR is taking over a lot. So XDR is taking over some stuff. Why should I integrate XDR within Sentinel? Because one of the updates in Ad Ignite was shared incidents, shared schema, user experiences that are in preview that has to do with the integration of XDR and Sentinel. Why should I do that? Yeah, so SIM is still going to be important for our traditional infrastructure for elements where we can't have sensors on, for example putting syslog data from switches, uh, firewall logs and stuff, because there are infrastructures still communicating that way. So if we want to have this centralized point where we integrate, we see all our incidents gathered, then it's connecting the XDR up to Sentinel, and then we can get all the other detections from the other sources we're using. We can even combine XDR alerts with the other data. If we want to cross-correlate with endpoint data with some other log source, the the on-prem AD or the firewall logs or some other source we have so i think it's about getting this centralized view and also if you want to retain the alerting statistics and stuff for longer than the period the the xdr is is supporting i think those are kind of the key values still we we have a lot of organizations operating without the sim still and just using the xdr but if you are larger you're more mature the sim solution would be the next step and, and sentinel fits very well there for those organizations who are getting started uh, if you use only Microsoft stuff like Teams, SharePoint, uh, Azure AD, Windows 10, uh, Defender, and that sort of stuff, XDR is the full solution you can use. But most of the companies have non-prem environment, for example, with switches, firewalls, and that sort of stuff, other applications, then definitely you have to move to a SIEM solution. That's what you're saying. Yeah, if you want to get the complete picture on your detection landscape, that is for sure true. 
if we are more modernized, more mature in kind of our IT evolution, then we're talking cloud apps, SaaS apps, and then the XDR plus, I think we are fairly good to go there, but we all know the reality. Everyone's not there yet, but the, the journey is definitely ongoing, moving to zero trust and, uh, and all around that. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, good to hear. Yeah, there were lots of stuff at Ignite. When we're looking into our daily job, when configuring environments, you have your best practice that you add into your customers. But if you come to a customer who have implemented tools by their own or has done less around protecting their environment, what is the most common thing that you can address in that sort of situations? Yeah, it's. I mean, we, we work a lot on incidents as well with, with customers. And unfortunately, we see a lot of misconfigurations. And uh, I mean, there are common pitfalls in, in all the stuff. But I mean, some are simpler than other. But if we take Azure AD, for example, it just applying conditional access and making sure you have multi-factor authentication and turning these legacy protocols off. I mean, every week we run into a new customer. There's something happened and then, okay, it turned out they had legacy authentication turned on, no MFA, and then suddenly someone started doing something. So, I mean, the common stuff, make sure your identities are protected. Reduce your internet exposure. I mean, we have had a lot of incidents where someone put something on the internet. Oh, I didn't know it was there. Okay, maybe you shouldn't put the RDP server on the internet without applying patches or even having a supported operating system. So make sure your internet exposure is minimal. Usually it's fairly simple stuff, but I mean, if you're in a large organization, you're sitting in a complex distributed IT organization, it's hard to keep track of everything. So, I mean, if we talk about NIST, it's about keeping track of your stuff in the first phase. And, and yeah, it's a hassle. And, and all life cycle is, is the next thing. Apply patches. And if you're still running a Windows 2008 or 2003 server, you're in bad luck. What you're mainly saying, the basic things, MFA connected stuff that is exposed to the internet. Yeah, and uh, tiering of identities. I mean, oh, I suddenly I logged on to this internet exposed account with my server admin or my domain admin. And then, okay, whoops, my credentials went away. So make sure you have tiering of identities. If you have legacy systems, maybe do legacy tiering. So you have a specific legacy account for just a legacy system. So you don't expose that on your other critical infrastructure. Because if they get hold of it, it's usually game over. And patches. Not only patches, but you're also saying uh, 2003. Do you really see that sort of service in the wild at the moment? Yeah, we actually seen NT4 uh, down to NT4, so in the wild. So, yeah, if you want to be <laughs> hacked, I should say that sort of machines you have to put on the internet, and I think within an hour you're <laughs> you have issues. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they just need to find one way in. And then if you you have this flat network and then you have some NT4s so or 2000 or 2003 or anything that's unpatched. I mean, it can even be a Windows 10 device uh, that is unpatched. We're, we're seeing organizations having challenges of keeping up to date with Windows 10 as well. So, I mean, it's not only about the old stuff. It's also about its lifecycle management in general. So I think, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that sort of mistakes within the basic steps. The second thing is configuration. What do you see in that area? They can have implemented an EDR solution, for example, and the Defender for Endpoint or another. Are there misconfigurations? What do you see in that area? Somehow it comes back to, I mean, we still see a lot of local admins, unfortunately. And if you're local admin, okay, it's, it's a challenge to keep the machine protected. But I mean, simple stuff as 
make sure to turn off SMB v1. Okay, we have this AS400 or whatever legacy system we have that still needs it. And so it's about hardening, making sure the devices are. And if, if we're using Defender for Endpoint, we, I mean, we have this threat and vulnerability analytics where we get insights. Okay, we need to turn off these settings and give you those those insights on how to harden it all the time. And it's not only about Windows, but I mean, it's, it's about web browsers, making sure the web browsers you have are protected. If you're running Chrome, you need to make sure Chrome is protected at the enterprise security baseline on that. It's all in all, security is this traditional onion. You need to keep several layers of security, and the more layers you have, the the harder it gets for the uh, attacker. So, If you look at incidents, last week, a Hafnium was, was detected. That was a vulnerability at Exchange, several Exchange servers, and most of the Exchange servers are exposed to the internet because mail must be delivered and so on. Can you tell us a little bit what you're doing when such a vulnerability is detected and you have to inform your customers? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, first we gather the team internally to see and kind of read up on the things and to understand the attack areas and how that works. And then we definitely do inform our customers on different levels. And then unfortunately, we have to take in some considerations and supported some of the customers where we've actually had detections on the side of things. So it's a, it's a tough exploit, everything that's zero day and on the internet and exploited in the wild. Um, but I mean, informing the customers foremost and then give them advice. So we usually gather the information we have and send them a structured email that you can take these actions look for this if you need help um, here's how to reach us and in these types of attacks it's usually i mean a lot of organizations affected so it's hard to help everyone that's why we kind of gather the data for them to at least do the first round themselves and then if they detect anything we, we were happy to support and because it's about scaling this as well because it's tough when so many organizations are getting hit Yeah, what I saw in the Netherlands, there were that many exchange servers, I think it was 11k potential targets that are exposed to the internet, which showed them they popped up and we can see that they are really popping up. So it's really an incident. Yeah, definitely. We also did yeah, some active scanning on our end to, to see what we had. Both we used Shodan as well, and then now Shodan has this vulnerability leap. So we also contacted actually some organizations we're, who we are not actively working with just to give them a heads up. And we contacted the, yeah, pushed someone on the Swedish cert to get, go out with information and such. So it's uh, everyone who can help spread the message because there's always a few customers who, who don't pick up the message. And then as the exploitation starts growing, it's it's tougher for them, definitely. So. Yeah, and now we have work to do again. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm happy to work on incidents, but I, I prefer if they, we, in some sense, I prefer not to. So that's <laughs> that's prefer to to warn them and to take action upfront, so we do not have to take action anymore afterwards. Exactly, exactly. If we look at Solori Gate, another incident that was detected a few months ago, I think it was end of 2020 that it was exposed. SolarGate, that was FireEye, SolarWinds, Microsoft, in a few words. What was the SolarWinds, SolarGate incident? Yeah, so SolarGate is, I mean, we've heard this over and over, but uh, it's supply chain attack where SolarWinds was attacked from an actor where they planted code actually in their DevOps cycle. So it's definitely supply chain where they used SolarWinds as the, the channel to deploy it. So 
they infected their code, did the backdoors, and then when they got the customers started deploying it, it was kind of self-deploying. And uh, I think it was reported up to 18,000 possible affected customers. Uh, so it, it's definitely a huge thing. We've seen customers being effective of it, of course. And it's not often that we see these advanced, uh, really advanced attacks where it's um, yeah a lot of thought behind it. Absolutely, absolutely. And if you look at it, Microsoft was involved, FireEye was involved. Why FireEye? I can imagine, but why was Microsoft involved in this whole case? I mean, there were reports of, of uh, using uh, some of the Office 365 as distribution channels and the kind of that. So they were he- early involved to find evidence on all of that. But I mean, Microsoft is a security company today. I mean, they have uh, the DART team and their threat intelligence teams. And I mean, they're spending tons and tons of money on security. So I mean, they're really in the game for security. So I would say Microsoft is definitely a security company. So it's good to see that they're really getting into this game. And I think all all major cloud vendors need to do this because it's about both defending their own clouds and, and all of that. And I know the other cloud vendors are also getting into it. So I think it's it's a natural step for these large vendors because they need to be on top of everything as they have a huge responsibility for the world, actually, when we have these large cloud vendors, which we are putting our trust in. So uh, definitely. Uh... And these large attacks, mostly coming from nation states? there must be a bigger environment on the other hand to get them stopped, in other words. Microsoft was put on with FireEye on this whole chain. What has Microsoft done right in your eyes when it comes to this attack? I think in general, I mean, there were uh, transparency in all attacks is, is a good thing. You need to be transparent. You need to tell what what's actually going on. And in my eyes, Microsoft has been very transparent on what happened to them themselves. They were also running SolarWinds and what happened in their attacks, but also putting out evidence, putting out data on how customers can detect it. So it's both transparency on what happened to them, but also how to for you as a customer to detect it. And I mean, they even add the detections in MDEs. You get the threat analytics insights early there, so you can do hunting yourself and get the insights. And I mean, the security community in general have done a really good work, I would say. There's uh, actually a Swedish person, Netresec, who's done a lot of network forensic stuff, who's been putting out a lot of good stuff as well. So security community in general has been really involved in this attack. And it's, I mean, it's definitely one of the bigger attacks uh, over the last years. So. Absolutely. And it was more complicated because it was already involved within the development. So there was a signed package that was sent out, installed. So it was really hard to define what it, actually does and uh, how it can be active yeah yeah i mean supply chain is starting to i mean the more and more we raise our bars on protection and uh, as long as we don't put servers on the internet with rdp open i mean we're gradually moving our increasing our security bar and then adversaries need to find new ways and i mean supply chain is the next thing from an advice for me maybe we shouldn't just focus on the supply chain because we have a lot to do on our own front or first to make sure that we have a clean house uh, first before we start focusing on supply chain because it will be the next natural step but if we haven't applied mfa and done patching okay maybe we should focus on that first and getting detection so is that also what we can learn from that attack as customers not microsoft as solution one that delivers that to us but for us as customers is that what we can learn from that we see a lot of customers transforming and, and being i mean 
someone stated every company is a software company and we're starting to see that that a lot of companies are starting to develop their own tools own development they have their own development so i think from a supply chain perspective the software security side of things is really important to add into that to make sure you have your githubs and your kind of devops pipelines secured and the developers should start working from secure workstations instead of their home gaming pc or whatever we're seeing out there and that's kind of there needs to be a lot of improvements in the dev side of things, but in general, companies have a lot to do on their traditional infrastructure. So it's for everyone dev-oriented, definitely have work to do from protecting it and supply chain. But in general, you have to fix your infrastructure and your basic stuff as well. So. So we have lots of things to do when it comes to educate our customers and that sort of stuff. Um, is there one last message that you want to give to our listeners? Security is becoming more and more important. And if you haven't started, you need to make sure you at least close these quick wins, how to protect your environment, but then getting into this detection landscape where you can actually detect when things are happening. So it's it's a fine balance, getting detection first or starting with your protection. But the quick wins in protection, just enable MFA and the other, make sure your internet exposure is reduced and then make sure you have these detection capabilities and make sure they are 24 seven because attackers are working when you're not working usually so so you should keep an eye on that stefan thanks for being part of this episode lots of interesting stuff to talk about microsoft improves their solutions more and more ignite is such a moment to show that the it pros what they are doing thanks for giving us some insights about the common mistakes in incidents configurations but also the discussion about the last two main attacks as solori gate and hafnium thank you yeah thank you franz thank you And of course, I will thank you for listening to this episode. Hopefully you have enjoyed our discussion and you will tune in into our next recording that will be available soon. So for now, thank you. And I say until the next time, bye-bye.